Could James, please, James. Amen. Appreciate all the good singing. Appreciate Brother Payne playing the piano. He's still sick. Don't, don't get close to him. Don't talk to him. Don't even look at him. He's, he's been under the weather for several days, but I appreciate him showing up tonight to play the pinaner. Amen. When you find your place in James, stand with me, please. James chapter 3. If you're there, say amen. amen. We'll start in verse number 1. The Bible says, Brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same as a perfect man, and able also to bridle the whole body. Behold, we put bits in the horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold also the ships, which though they be so great and are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. Even so the tongue is a little member, and boasteth great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body, setteth on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire of hell. For every kind of beasts and of birds and of serpents and of things in the sea is tamed and hath been tamed of mankind, but the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. Doth the fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? Can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either the vine figs? So can no fountain both yield salt, water, and fresh. We're going to look at these verses tonight with God's help and along with a few others using that verse, that phrase in verse number five as our title for our message, even so the tongue is a little member. I want to preach a little bit tonight on the most dangerous member in the church. The most dangerous member in the church. Father, we pray that you'd help us tonight as we expound the scriptures. Lord, it's a topical message, but it's going to be expository verse by verse. And I pray that you would use this message tonight to speak to our church and encourage and, and, and instruct and edify the people of God in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for standing. You can be seated. I was thinking while I was praying, uh, some verses that did not make it into my outline came to me while I was praying out of Proverbs chapter number 6, where the Bible says, These six things doth the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination unto him. And here we go, a proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among the brethren. Three of them involve the tongue. A lying tongue, a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among the brethren. Three of those on that list Involve the tongue. In our text here this evening, I've just outlined these verses, verses one down through verse number 12. Simple outline, but a very powerful reminder tonight of the most destructive, the most dangerous, the most deadly, without a doubt, the worst member in our church. And that is our tongue. If you're taking notes tonight, notice in verse number one, the condemnation of the tongue. He says, my brethren, be not many masters, knowing that ye shall receive the greater condemnation. That word condemnation there simply means judgment. 
It simply has to do with an accountability. My brethren, be not many masters. That word masters there means a teacher. Someone that is in a position to teach, educate, influence other people. And he cautions us in chapter three, verse number one of James, my brethren, be not many masters. Let me just mention this, just touch on it, and then I'm gonna move on. We've got a lot of masters today on the social media. I mean, we got new converts with a YouTube channel. It's unbelievable. At the deception, the lies, the heresy, the false doctrine, the confusion that is being perpetrated on the YouTube and on social media and on the internet through people that have no business whatsoever in a position of being a teacher or a master to try to help somebody else along the way. Amen. I can tell you from personal experience, I was called to preach in 1993, I surrendered to preach. I didn't volunteer. I surrendered. I waved the white flag. I was backed up in the corner. God said, it's preach or else. And I said, I reckon I'll preach. I didn't want to know what else was. I didn't want to be a preacher. I didn't want to stand in front of people and tell them what God said. I didn't want to stand up in the, front, in the pulpit and expound scripture and tell people what the word of God said. I did not want that. I did not desire that for myself. God called me to preach. But I can tell you this, after preaching for over 30 years, I enter the pulpit every single service with an equal amount of fear and trepidation over the reverential the amount of, of, of accountability that comes with this responsibility. Very careful because the Bible is clear. We are going to give an account to God for what we say. In fact, the more we talk, the more we will give an account for at the judgment seat. In Matthew chapter 12, verse number 36, the Bible says, but I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. If we're gonna give an account for idle words, if we're gonna give account for words spoken in jest and in, in, in cutting around and, and cutting up and nonsense and, and goofing off, if, if the idle words are going to be accountable, we're gonna be accountable for those at the judgment seat, how much more accountable will we be for standing in front of a classroom or a church full of people and telling them and instructing them what God said? I'm telling you, it's serious business. So we see in verse number one, the condemnation of the tongue. But then in verse number two down through verse number five, we, we see this, this talks about the control of the tongue. He says, for in many things we offend all. And that is true. We offend people a lot of times without even realizing we offend people. We do things. Uh, it can be, it could be, well, it could be a variety of things. For in many things we offend all, he said. We offend in a lot of ways. Some on purpose and some, some inadvertently. Some not even realizing that we're, we're unconsciously offending people. I've done that. I've done that to people. I've offended people. They say, you offended me. I didn't even know I did. Apologize, of course, but I mean, I, I didn't do it on purpose, but it happens. He says, in many things, we offend all. But then he goes on to say, if any man offend not in word, the same as a perfect man. He's a perfect man and able also to bridle the whole body. And then he goes on to give an illustration in verse number three. Behold, we put bits in the horse's mouths that they may obey us and we turn about their whole body. You turn turn up a horse that weighs a thousand pounds or several hundred pounds, you can turn him, you can navigate him at a full gallop just with that little bit in his mouth. 
control that whole horse with that little piece of metal in his mouth. He goes on in verse number four to say, behold also the ships, which though they be so great, and we're right here in, uh, near, near, near the, uh, where they, they bring in those big cruise ships. Right over here, I'm telling you, every time I drive by them, I crane my neck looking at the size of those ships. I'm amazed at how big those things are. They're like a city floating out there. Behold also the ships, which though they be so great, and are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. And there's the man in the, in the cockpit or the, the pilot's cabin or whatever it's called up there where he's, he's turning that, that rudder, that helm on the back of that ship and that entire ship can be turned by that little bitty rudder at the back of that ship. It controls the whole thing. Determines the direction that it goes in. And he goes on to say in verse number five, even so the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. I want to say tonight that verse number two is very clear. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man. That word perfect there just simply means complete or whole, or we would say a mature man, a, 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 a full grown, a full age, a spirit filled Christian, we would say would be the description that's given here. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man. Some of us have been saved in here 30, 40, 50 years, some maybe longer, and we still offend in word. Amen? I'm just curious before we get any further in the message, is there anybody here tonight that does not need this message? But I want to tell you tonight, with God's help, we can control our tongue. It's a sign of a mature believer. David said in Psalm chapter 15, Verse one, two, and three, he said, Lord, who shall abide in thy tabernacle? Who shall dwell in thy holy hill? He that walketh uprightly and worketh righteousness and speaketh the truth in his heart. He that backbiteth not with his tongue, nor doeth evil to his neighbor, nor taketh up a reproach against his neighbor. Did you know that it is possible? It is possible for a spirit-filled believer to not backbite with their tongue. By the way, you don't see the word gossip in the Bible. The Bible word for gossip is backbiting. Well, it goes on to say in Psalm chapter 34, verse number 12 and verse number 13, what man is he that desireth life and loveth many days that he may see good? Let's just ask the question tonight to the church. What man is he that desireth life? Raise your hand. You desire life? What man is he that loveth many days? How many of you want to live long, long, fruitful life? And that he may see good. How many of you want to see a good, long life? Raise your hand. All right, here's the, here's the answer to that, all right? What man is he, Psalm 34, verse 12 and 13, what man is he that desireth life and loveth many days that he may see good? Here's the answer. Keep thy tongue from evil and thy lips from speaking guile. You want a long life, a good life, a great life? Learn to control your tongue. By the way, those verses are so good that Peter quoted them again in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse number 10. <laughs> so with God's help, it is possible to control your tongue. It's a sign of a spirit-filled believer when you don't say everything you think. Let me say that again. It is a sign 
that you're making some major headway in your spiritual walk with God when you've got more filters kicking stuff out than you used to. And it comes to your mind. It comes to your mind and the Holy Spirit of God says, eh, eh, and you don't say it. And you walk away having not said what the flesh wanted to say. Well, preacher, that's just how I am. Yeah, you're carnal and immature. You're not spiritual. You're not wise. That's just how you are. But instead of being proud of it, maybe we ought to work on it, amen? The control of the tongue. You don't have to say everything you're thinking. You don't have to comment on every Facebook post you don't agree with. You don't have to argue with everybody on social media that believes different from you. I told somebody yesterday, I said, I'm so thankful to God. Now, don't throw, don't throw a songbook at me. I said, I'm so thankful to God that my wife don't get on Facebook and argue with other preachers. She don't get on Facebook at all. But she sure don't get on there and debate men of God. I'm so thankful that my wife don't do that. I am so thankful my wife don't do that. Spencer Smith texted me yesterday. He said, I want you to look at this. Sent me a screenshot. And a well-known pastor's wife commented under his post and said, change the subject. It's his Facebook page. Change the subject, she says. I'd have, you know me, I'd have doubled down. I'd have read a 47-page epistle right there about whatever she wanted me to quit talking about. That wouldn't have been right, but that's probably what I would have done. The condemnation of the tongue, the control of the tongue. Then we see thirdly in our text, the characterization of the tongue. In verse number five, he closes out verse number five, says, behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. So the tongue is characterized in verse number five as a fire. Remember those uh, Smokey the Bear commercials? Only you can prevent forest fires. And all the little ads that we used to see about it takes, one tree can make thousands of matches and one match can destroy thousands of trees. You remember those? How great a matter a little fire kindleth. Arson, buildings, entire blocks, neighborhoods destroyed with one little flame. The tongue is a fire. What does that mean? Well, fires destroy. Fires don't build things. They destroy things that are already built. Fires scar. They mar. They deface. They devalue. Things that are burned, things that have the smell of smoke or have been affected by fire. Insurance companies go into houses that's got fire damage. That, that, somebody gave me a piano one time. It was in a house that was a house fire. It was on the other end of the house. Get rid of it. It's been damaged by fire. I couldn't see it. But the insurance company wrote them a check for that piano. It had been devalued and defaced. It was no longer worth having in their opinion, because of the fire. 
Fires cause irreparable damage. When a house has been severely burned, you don't call the sheetrock man and a painter to fix it. You got to rip it out. You got to tear out everything that's been burned. Everything that's been touched by that smoke, everything that has had those fumes and everything that has had that fire on it, it has to come out. You can't fix it. Irreparable damage from a fire. And the tongue, the Bible says, is a fire. It destroys families. Destroys homes and marriages. How many family reunions have been completely destroyed because that one person wouldn't shut up? Everybody gathers together for a Thanksgiving or a Christmas get-together or a birthday or whatever the deal and grandma's having her 100th birthday and you got 75 people in the living room and there's always that one long-tongued woman or that half-drunk uncle that won't shut up. And next thing you know, the whole family is having civil war in the living room. What happened? A tongue, a mouth. <laughs> oh, I just got to say what's on my mind and here we go, World War III. Destroys families, destroys friendships. People that have been friends for years. Separated, irreparable damage over words spoken in anger. Words spoken at a time of frustration and bitterness. Say things, it cuts to the heart. And whoever said sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me was an idiot. Words do far more damage than sticks and stones. You hit somebody with a stick or a stone and it may leave a bruise temporarily. It may leave a mark temporarily, but words wound forever. The tongue is a fire, destroys families, destroys friendships, destroys the flock of God, destroys churches. I've been in Baptist churches for 51 years. I've yet to see a church split over a, over a liquor store or over a, 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 a prostitute on the corner or a meth lab, or the mafia. But I've seen many churches split up one side, down the other, tore all to pieces because of the tongue. It is the most dangerous member in the church, bar none. Destroys families, friendships, flocks, preachers, good men of God, good men of God run out of their church because of people talking couldn't let it go. I just want to know what happened. That's the famous last words. I just want to know what happened. It ain't none of your business what happened. Going around asking people questions about what happened and the person you're asking don't even know anything happened and now they're questioning what happened. That'd be like, that'd be like, that'd be like, that'd be like, Matt, that'd be like you going to Brother Snipes and saying, is it true Brother, Brother Payne kicked, the one, kicked, that, kicked that boy out of the school? Why would you ask Brother Snipes? He don't have a clue. He's not the school administrator. And I'm using, using an example because he's going to be your father-in-law one day. <laughs> Help him, Jesus. If you have a question, I mean, if it's really bothering you and you can't sleep and it's grieving you so bad you can't sit in church and you really got to find out, who should you talk to? Brother Payne. And I would go to him and I'd say, it's none of my business. I'm going to start out by saying it's none of my business. But I heard this so-and-so got kicked out of school. Is that true? And then let him tell you. 
But to go ask Brother Snipes if he got kicked out of school, now Brother Snipes is concerned that some kid got kicked out of school by Brother Payne, and he shouldn't have been. And that might not have even been what happened. But now he's worried about it. And now he's thinking less of Brother Payne. And now he's feeling sorry for some kid. And you did all of that inadvertently by asking the wrong person a question about something that he wasn't even involved in. And then Brother Snipes, knowing Brother Snipes, he's going to go ask, he's going to go ask Chuck Wiley, Chuck, did you hear about whether or not? And Chuck's like, I don't know. Let me go ask Brother Puccini. Next thing you know, you got 25 people, 25 people in the church up in arms about something that might not have even happened. I would love to have a dollar for every time my phone rang and there was a fire somewhere I had to put out. And I'm like, how did that even happen? Why are people even talking about that? That's not even what happened. I had a guy called me one time. I sat in my office. been sitting here since 7.30 in the morning. It's 5 o'clock in the afternoon on a Wednesday. He called me and said, what's going on up there at that school? I said, what are you talking about? There's a lot goes on over here. What are we talking about? Somebody steal somebody's sandwich at lunch? What are we talking about? Well, I heard so-and-so, heard so-and-so quit. I said, and? Well, we, I, I, we didn't know what's going on up there. I said, I'll tell, tell you what let's do. Why don't you come up here to my office and we'll talk about it for church tonight. So he walked in my office. I'm sitting in, in my office behind my desk, sitting in my chair. He comes over there, stands on my desk, puts his hands on my desk and leans over my desk and said, what's going on up here? I said, sit down over in that chair. Get off my neck. Sit on that chair up there just a second. I said, let me explain something to you, buddy. Me and Jesus, we got this. I don't need you down here telling me how to do my job. And I said, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll make a deal with you. I won't come to where you're working and tell you how to do your job if you won't come down here and tell me how to do my job. Because you done made a big deal out of nothing. Nothing happened. Nobody's mad. Nobody's upset. Nobody's leaving the church. Nobody hit nobody. The cops wasn't called. It's only you running your mouth. And I said, if you want to call me and tell me what you got out of your Bible reading or you want to call me or text me and tell me that you're witnessing somebody on the job and somebody's interested in the, in the things of God or you want to share with me something you got out of your Bible reading or you want to tell me you're praying for me, you can text me or call me anytime you want to, but don't you ever pick up the phone again and call me and ask me what's going on up here with that tone of voice. He said, nobody's ever talked to me like that before. I said, it's high time they did. I said, because what you're doing is sowing discord in the church. And you need to knock it off. I love you, but don't do that no more. I said, preacher, did that really happen? With my hand up, that's exactly what happened. And it fixed it. The tongue is a fire. You know what you do with a fire? You dump cold water on it. That's what you do. You don't throw gas on it. You throw cold water on it. The tongue, number two, is a world of iniquities. Everybody okay? The tongue is a world of iniquity, verse number six. The tongue is a fire a world of iniquity. That's a strong statement. A world of iniquity. Not just one iniquity, but a world of iniquity. I mean, a wide variety of sins are committed with the tongue. We could just make a long list of them. I didn't even look them all up. Lying is done with the tongue. 
Slander is done with the tongue. False witness, blasphemy is done with the tongue. The unpardonable sin is committed with the tongue. Jesus said in Matthew 12, 32, and whoso speaketh a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But whosoever speaketh against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven him, neither in this world, neither in the world to come. We're talking about the tongue is a world of iniquity. You can do a lot of iniquity with the tongue, a world of it. Thirdly, it's called an unruly evil. An unruly evil. The tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. Verse number six, so was the tongue among our members that it defileth the whole body. It's an unruly evil, verse number eight. An unruly evil. That word unruly means it's unrestrained. It means it causes evil that you cannot control. Stay with me. In Titus chapter number one, here's what Paul said about the unruly. Watch this. Titus 1 verse 9, holding fast the faithful word as he hath been taught that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. For there are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers, especially they of the circumcision, whose mouths must be stopped, who subvert whole houses, teaching things which they ought not for filthy lucre's sake. One of themselves, even a prophet of their own, said the Christians are always liars, evil beasts, slow bellies. This witness is true. Wherefore, rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in the faith. So the Bible says the tongue is an unruly evil. It's out of control. Then it says the tongue is full of deadly poison in verse number eight. Full of deadly poison. The tongue is. This is, this is inspired scripture. Poison makes people sick. Poison kills people. Poison, if it don't kill you, it can cause long-lasting side effects that you never recuperate from. Talk about Agent Orange, Brother Hall, over in Vietnam and what it has done to an entire generation of men, all the health problems, from Agent Orange, that's a poison that they sprayed all over the vegetation to kill the vegetation where they could find the Viet Cong not realizing that they were poisoning their own troops. You see ads and commercials all the time about the water at Fort Lejeune. Problems with poison. Asbestos is poison. And we can just go on and on and on. He said the tongue is full of deadly poison. One conversation can kill or permanently alter somebody for the rest of their life. We see number four, the casualties of the tongue. The casualties of the tongue, the Bible tells us back in verse number six that it defileth the whole body. Defileth the whole body. Now, that doesn't just mean your personal body. I believe we could say it defiles the whole body of Christ. One tongue full of deadly poison, one tongue that is a fire, one tongue that is unruly can absolutely defile an entire body, a whole family, a whole church. Always starts with people talking. The Bible says it defiles the whole body. 
And he goes on and says, and setteth on fire the course of nature. What a statement. Setteth on fire the course of nature. Well, what does that mean? Well, the course of nature is what God started. Can we just say that? The course of nature is God's ordained way of doing things. Can we, can we, can we go along with that? The course of nature is the way God set it up for it to operate. And you know what the tongue can do? It can set that on fire and change the course of nature into something God never intended for it to happen. Make something happen that he never intended to happen. Make it look like something that was never supposed to look like. Let me just throw this out while I'm at it. You want to know why you can go to, to, the, to Africa, deepest Africa right now? You want to even go down to the Amazon right now and you don't find transgenders down there because they don't have television. People talking, setting on fire the course of nature. Little kids sitting in their kindergarten class and being taught all this perversion. That is setting on fire the course of nature. Of course it is. It's a perfect example of it. And you got people today that are doing things to their body, doing things to themselves, doing things to their children because somebody talked them into it. They heard somebody say it. They heard somebody say it. It's not natural. It's not the course of nature. They're setting fire to the course of nature. They're destroying the way God set it up. And then the Bible says, it is set on fire of hell. Verse number six. We're talking about the casualties of the tongue. Clearly, What's being said, what is being spoken is not of God. In fact, the tongue that thrives on destruction will be destroyed by God. You ready for these verses? Psalm 52, Psalm 52, verse number one. I want you to look at this in your Bible. You got to see this. And I don't have the time to give you the backstory on this. But verse number one gives you enough backstory. You can go look it up when you get home. Psalm 52, verse number one. Boy, these are some powerful verses. Here's what he said. The top of, my, top of this chapter, Psalm 52, it says to the chief musician, Maskell, a psalm of David, when Doeg the Edomite came and told Saul and said unto him, David has come to the house of Ahimelech. Is that what your Bible says? Okay, so that's the scenario. Saul's trying to kill David. Doeg goes and tells Saul where David is. Look at what the Bible says in verse number one. This is the psalm that David wrote with that happening in his life. Why boastest thou thyself in mischief? O mighty man, the goodness of God endureth continually. Thy tongue deviseth mischiefs like a sharp razor, working deceitfully. Thou lovest evil more than good and lying rather than to speak righteousness. There are literally people that would rather lie than tell the truth. Thou lovest all devouring words, verse 4. O thou deceitful tongue, God shall likewise destroy thee forever. He shall take thee away and pluck thee out of thy dwelling place and root thee out of the land of the living. The righteous also shall see in fear and shall laugh at him. What about that? God will destroy the person that loves all devouring words. 
You know how to get some people really excited? Just lean in and say, have you heard? You just... See, I told you what happened. It's none of my business, but did you hear what so-and-so said? And all of a sudden, it was like, no, tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me. What happened? What happened? Right. Love devouring words. Got real quiet, didn't it? Number five, let's look at the cautions of the tongue. The cautions of the tongue. He just said, the tongue can no man tame it as an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Well, let's back up. Verse number seven is good. For every kind of beast, for every kind of beast, every kind of beast and of birds and of serpents, the sea is tamed and hath been tamed of mankind. Go to these shows and watch these, these birds. I know the, the family that was here before, I just, my mind just went blank. Help me out. Brother Howard and them, Brother Jason and them have those birds. Those birds of prey, they come in, those birds, those trained falcons, those eagles fly around. They train those birds. You go down to SeaWorld, they train the whales and dolphins to do unbelievable things. Well, these little subtle hand motions, you can't even hardly see them. Little subtle hand motions and this little whistle and these, these, these little porpoises and dolphins and killer whales are jumping over wires and turning and twisting and I mean it's unbelievable what you can train beasts and animals to do but the Bible says but the tongue can no man tame. It's an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Verse number nine, therewith bless we God even the Father and therewith curse we men with the same tongue which is made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceedeth the blessings and cursings. My brethren these things ought not so to be. Doth the fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? Hmm? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries? Either a vine, figs? So can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh. The cautions of the tongue, my brethren, these things ought not so to be. Verse 10, you got the inconceivable activity. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. I have literally seen people in church singing how great thou art and go home and cuss on their Facebook post. Curse and swear. Share, sharing. Sharing posts with profanity. Let me break it to you. If you share a post with profanity, you're cussing. You're putting your stamp of approval on it. If you like it, if you like it, and everybody can see that you like it. I don't know if you realize that or not. Everybody can see what you like and thumbs up and heart. Everybody can see it. But out of the same mouth proceeded blessings and cursings. We see the inconceivable activity. We see the imploring appeal in verse 10. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. James is begging the people of God, please. And then you see the impossible attribute in verse 11. Doth the fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? 
No, it does not. It cannot. Let me close with this. I'm blowing through this chapter. There's a month worth of preaching in here. I want to close with the contrasts. In the book of Proverbs, there are a list of verses that contrast the tongue of the righteous and the tongue of the wicked. If you want them, I'll give them to you after the service. They'll be on my, on my Facebook, on my, on my page. You can get the off the, off the website. You can get the, all these notes. I'm just going to read these to you. I want you to listen carefully. Listen to the contrast because you get to choose what kind of tongue you have. You get to choose. Proverbs 10, 20 says, The tongue of the just is as choice silver. The heart of the wicked is little worth. Proverbs 10, 31 says, The mouth of the just bringeth forth wisdom, but the froward tongue shall be cut out. Proverbs 12, 18 says, There is that speaketh like the piercings of a sword, but the tongue of the wise is health. Proverbs 12, 19 says, The lip of truth shall be established forever, but a lying tongue is but for a moment. Proverbs 15, 2, The tongue of the wise useth knowledge aright, but the mouth of fools poureth out foolishness. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 4 says, A wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness therein is a breach in the spirit. Let me close with this. Again, Proverbs chapter number six. These six things that the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination unto him. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, feet that be swift and running to mischief was the one I left out earlier. A false witness that speaketh lies. And he that soweth discord among the brethren. Now listen to me, that's pretty strong. These six things doth the Lord hate, and it is he that soweth discord. It don't say he hates the discord. He hates he that soweth the discord among the brethren. Why? Because the church is a body of Christ. And a person that does not learn to control their tongue can destroy an entire church. And God hates that. So tonight, the tongue, little member. It's a little member, but it is the most dangerous member in the church. You get to choose what kind of tongue you have. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, we thank you tonight for this sober reminder from the word of God. Lord, our tongues, our conversation, our tone, our tone with our children, our tone to our parents, our tone to our wife, our tone to our husband, the things we talk about, people we talk about, gossip, rumors, sowing discord, false accusations, lies. Lord, all of these things, slander, all of these things are from the tongue. I pray, Lord, tonight that every child of God would do a deep, deep search. Ask God to help them to be a mature Christian. To be a spirit-filled Christian. May our words, Father, as David said, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. 
In another place, David said, set a watch, O Lord, before my mouth and keep the door of my lips. I pray, dear Heavenly Father, tonight that you would help us to understand the power of the tongue. Our tongue is so deadly, Lord, you put it behind two gates and bathed it in a pool of liquid to try and keep that tongue from getting out of hand. I pray, Lord, tonight that you would put up a hedge around about our church and protect our church. But Lord, not just from the wolves and the fiery darts we preached about last week, but Lord, from the tongues, the mouths, the lips of the unwise and the foolish. Father, I pray that we would be very, very mindful of what we say and what we do. May we not listen to gossip. May we not spread gossip. May we not sow discord. May we not lie and be dishonest with our mouth. May we not curse the men, Lord, that are made after the similitude of God. Lord, help us tonight. As James said, my brethren, these things ought not so to be. May our tongue be used to speak grace to the hearer. Be words of kindness and consolation and comfort. May our tongues be used to spread the gospel, testify, magnify God, glorify God. May our tongues be used, Father, to build and edify our children.